Hello and welcome to another episode of Back to Britpop, it's me Chris. On this episode I'm delighted to be joined by Leon Mayer of Northern Uproar. Leon talks openly and honestly about the highs and lows of his career in music from forming the band in 1995 and right up to present day with plans of new recordings and some new gigs hopefully when we come out of lockdown. As per usual I'll be back at the end of the interview to talk about how you can support the podcast. But first here's Leon. Welcome to the podcast, Leon Mayer. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, you know, like I say, getting on with things day by day. Yeah, it's difficult at the moment. Whereabouts are you? I'm. Uh, I'm actually come. I've just come into my car outside my house. I <laughs> get peace and quiet. Obviously, the reason why I've asked you on the podcast is to talk about Northern Uproar, and but really, I wanted to also focus on a bit about you and and how you got into music in the first place. And in terms of your like musical influences, who would you say were your like your your musical heroes? Well, initially it was uh, John Lennon, the Beatles, and then Nirvana were 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 massive at a certain point, and then I was too young to go to the gigs and that, but listen to the Stone Roses, listen to. The, the, the Happy Mondays in Spiral Carpets, all that. But then, pretty quickly, I snapped out of that and got into the uh, the acid house music, the rave scene of the early nineties. So it sort of it sort of jolted, and then I got into massively into jungle. Then, so it was uh, it was colourful from an early age. You had a real eclectic taste to start. You know, going going back, going back when I was in school. Um, you know, I, I, I just and I mean primary school. My you know the thing that I got excited about was was football and music. Uh, and top, top of the pops was on every Thursday, and I'd watch it and I'd talk about it with my friends, and you know, and then you know, roll on uh, by eleven, I'd we'd started up with the band, you know. Yeah, uh, in secondary school, um, and and at that time, yeah, you know, I was I, I was into the massively into the Beatles, and I was one of them. Um, once I got me, once I got into the Beatles, the first song I got into was "You're Gonna Lose That Girl." And the moment I got me, the moment I, I felt it, that was it. Then I, I I got into I got into every album, everything, uh, and my and some of my earliest memories was when because um, was driving around Spain. In a, in a mobile home with my family with the, the Beatles' greatest hits on and the yeah. Eagles. Uh, and that was at 11, you know, that was at, at 10, maybe 9, 10. So, um, like I said, then after that came, you know, when Nirvana came, that, that was a big one. Uh, then the Stone Roses at that time. But, but by about 14, I was I was really into acid house music and the, and the whole thing of that. Then Jungle came in. Right up to about 16, 17, you know what I mean? So but then I then I fe- then I went back into into because once the band had got signed at 16, me ears uh were, were, were on other things and you know what I mean. So yeah. yeah, it was it was constantly changing and it was constantly colourful. In terms of like picking up the bass, were you a guitar player first and then sort of gravitated the bass for the band, or was it an instrument you, you got into very early on? Well, to be to be honest with you, the bass playing was was um, the, it was of all the instruments, it was the easiest one that I could do and sing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and because we had two guitars, it didn't it didn't really need that much movement. It just it just needed me to to do um, what was needed, yeah. and that was cool. So I could sing on top. Where Jeff and PK were were miles better guitarists, though I wrote all the songs on guitar. Yeah, and I wasn't ve- I wasn't very good to be honest with you. But what it showed me was that it didn't matter how how good or bad or, how good or great I was. 
you know, I wrote Roller Coaster. Um, I think it was about maybe thirteen, and 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 they used to take the take the piss out of me that I was a bad guitarist. But yeah, I wrote the song that then became our first hit. So yeah, and then the same happened with others, and, and then and then really over over the over the next from sixteen to twenty. Then I, as a guitarist, I progressed. Uh, I progressed as a bass player as well because I got into, but you know. Mm. But as being a singer, the, the bass was the, the easiest instrument and, you know, it, it it didn't require a lot because the other guitars were doing it enough to make the music interesting, if you know what I mean. Yeah. In terms of like the songwriting side of things then, Leon, where was where was you where were you drawing inspiration from for the lyrics uh for the music? Well, um it was all the lyrics that that, that I wrote. I've never been a person that goes out to write amazing lyrics and move people. It's not what I'm about. It was about feeling. It was about, you know, what I was experiencing at the time, you know, even though the experiences were very, very small. Yeah. And I just I just fantasize and make things up sometimes. And I I just got off on the feeling. And so it was it was more it's just it was up, it was more energy based. If I ever think too much about lyrics, it, it goes completely wrong because it's not what I'm about. I just went along with the energy of the music and I start to understand it more as I've got older because I remember at the time when I think, oh, you know, I used to I used to like be a bit um get a bit paranoid about what I was saying or what I was doing. And 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 really, you know, um, you know, I didn't have to be paranoid, I didn't have to be concerned about anything. It was the way it was, it was just the way that it was the way that I I connected through music to play in public, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever that whatever that was, whether it was singing a lyric that was great or singing a load of nonsense, I didn't I didn't care. You were very young when you started the band, and okay, so it's very easy to sort of look back and do things differently or think how things could have done differently. And a lot of bands that I've spoken to from this the nineties era, when you know this. The, not just Britpop, but Brit rock and all the other kind of elements to the '90s were coming together. You know, record labels yeah. were throwing themselves at, at uh, young bands yeah. to get them signed, and you know, there's a lot of regret as well in terms of you know how they were were treated. But do you feel that as well? You know, looking back and thinking, crikey, you know, if you'd had a, you know, if things had gone slightly different, differently for you, or potentially things didn't go as well as you potentially would have hoped. Yeah, well, I, I think first and foremost, without me. Blowing well, we smoke up my backside. I think we we were very underrated. It, it was a shame that we didn't get further than more notice and more recognition than what we were because we were an authentic band, completely uh, genuine, authentic with with a great history. Um, we had a great energy about us, and you know I could go on for quite a while on this, but one of the things that I did notice recently was. I heard a live CD of us, and um, and it was just brilliant. It really was. And you know, if I knew what I knew now, if I knew then what I knew now, I would have said to the record companies and all sorts you know, about about even releasing more live stuff or putting it on the B sides. You know, mm. we 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 were a live band. We, Obviously, we were a good student. We did it well in the studio, but we cut it live. It was, it was, it was energetic. It was everything. Mm. I won't say well, I couldn't regret anything. I, I, I tried my best in every way, but I just think it was a shame that we didn't get the the recognition. Though I think it still can happen again. You know, obviously, we, it, 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 what it means now is that we're a cult band. As of now, it we're a cult band. But you know, I mean, we've, I've done more music afterwards, and I just. 
I just think the way we did things, the songs that we wrote, the, you know, but I hate to say this because I don't want to rope myself in, but, you know, there's, there's millions of bands that probably say the same. So, you know, but I don't think we were just one of those bands, but, you yeah. know, there is a lot of music that what, what definitely went against our favour was the press. They really wanted to 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 get the teeth into a, 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 a band from Manchester that weren't Oasis because they, they couldn't say anything about Oasis. So they picked on us, I suppose, you know what I mean? They, mm. they, took, they, they took the piss out of us or whatever they said. But, you know, we knew I knew nothing about Oasis until I got signed. You know, we weren't here because they, they, they were about that absolutely no chance you know in some ways it made it work it worked in our favor that we were from manchester and all that but then in other ways because because we didn't know what was going on we, we, we fell in traps and we could get persecuted for that which we, which we did really no, no. yeah well i mean you had a quite a quick rise to to stardom in terms yeah. of yeah and so you know you've got to take that into account i mean there was a really big buzz about you and the, and the you know the yeah the, the, the bidding war and, and things like that with regards to record yeah. companies. So talk to me a little about that, if you don't mind. I mean, how did that come around with Heavenly, Heavenly Records obviously ultimately signed you? But what was it like, you know, for, for you being so young and in that situation? Yeah, it was it was amazing because the thing is, we, we started the band from 11. Our first gig was, was at, I was 14 in the local public hall. My manager, uh, we'd, I'd met the manager on a park. Um, he was a, he was the park keeper, uh, and it, it, he was he just previously been on tour with the World of Twist, which which had which had disbanded, uh, another band that, that didn't get the time of day, I suppose. But um, and then one thing led to another. Cut a long story short, before we know, I was playing in the boardwalk with the band, and once the interest came in, Anthony Wilson, Jeff Barrett, Heavenly, Fergal Sharkey, his label. Pete Waterman as well. He, he 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 went for us. It went very very quickly. The the the, the interest was just through the roof. Mm. And then once we got signed, um, you know, I mean, it was it, it went so fast. And once and then once from a window got top of the pops. And once from a window charted that high, and it was going, it was going, it was going. It was like I couldn't believe it. It was like the, the, you know, after watching top of the pops as a young kid, and and the dream of being in a band. And, and and all of a sudden it's coming true. I remember being at the top of the box thinking, fucking oh, like, you know, this is this is pretty amazing. Yeah. And it was quite an unbelievable feeling because, you know, I was only 17 at the time and it was like, wow, you know, this quick time. And yeah, it excelled and, and things happened and it was brilliant, you know, and then and, and we, we, did, we, did we did the big tours with Weller and the Charlatans. We did the European tours where we went abroad doing festivals, supported the Prodigy in, in in Sweden and in Finland. You know, so it was it was it was it was very fast and unbelievable. But uh, and looking back, you know, I was dead dead young, so I was like, I can't even really remember how it was now. <laughs> um, once we were getting once we were getting the CV, and yeah, I, I thought. We were we were really going to take off, and you know, it, and we had about a good two years. Then the last year, it was sort of a bit in and out. It was a bit hard, and yeah, it just it just it didn't go to where it could have. You know, I, I, it should have gone really. You know, and loads of people I know uh, agree with me. You know, genuine people that like the albums, especially the second one. They just they, they, they just can't believe that it. it never went so it never went further really. But you know. Looking back, you gotta take you gotta take the good things, and yeah, it it, yeah. it was it excelled very quickly, 
It was great. We did great gigs. Pat's out, you know, I mean, you know, when we played Weller and the Charlatans, you know, they were, they were playing in conjunction with each other. So we'd play each of these uh, arenas, say the Brixton Academy, the Aston Villa Leisure Centre, the Apollo, the Badlands. We're playing them each three times. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. in that in that sort of two-month tour or whatever it was, we probably did about 25 massive gigs. You yeah. know what I mean? It was yeah. like... You know, it was like two massive tours in one. It was phenomenal. That, that's um, quite an accolade to be sort of playing with, with those kind of artists and those bands. It's kind of a real, yeah. on anyone's bucket list as an artist. It must be a very good experience as well to to produce or work with uh, James Dean Bradfield as well from the Max Street Preachers. How did that come yeah, up? It was, yeah, it was, um, it was brilliant. It was needed because we were young at the time and, and it, him and Dave Edinger, the the other guy, they helped us sort of, you know, get get the songs arranged right, and 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 with, and especially the guitarists, you know, they got a lot out of working with James Dean Bradfield. But we were very young at the time, mm. you know. So looking back, God, of course, it's, it's it's amazing, it's amazing, and you know, it was only a few a few months ago, James Dean Bradfield was on. Radio 5, uh, getting interviewed by Nihal. They were talking to him about about his latest record and all this and all that. He was on for quite a while. And what he did, Nihal, says, right, we're going to have a chat uh, with James Dean after the, the break. Could you text in some of your memories of him or whatever? So I text in about him, you know, having the experience, me having the experience with him um, in the studio and all that. And, and Nihal pulled it out and mentioned it on radio. And it was fantastic, you know. So oh, I'm sat wow. in the car, and I'm texting Radio Five, and then the and then he, 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 I think it was the second message. He said, oh, "We've got one here," and he says, "My name's Leon." Blah blah blah, and 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 James. I mean, I've not seen James for a long time, and he went, "Oh, hello, Leon." You know, I mean, like it, like you just seen me yesterday, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he and it was just uh, it was funny, you know. He's a, he is our, as as he is in any interview. He's he's a he's a humble. He's just a normal bloke, you know what I mean? Obviously passionate about his music and his art. Uh, and that was that was a quite a nice little thing for me. So yeah, that's what that's, that's what happened not long ago. A nice reconnection to the past in a positive way. Very positive. Yeah, very yeah. positive. With that album, especially with the songs you're saying, obviously being produced, and you know the album being uh, shaped, if you like, with with the support of the producers. But in terms of your vision, did they come out as you kind of had planned? I mean, you had had you'd written these this kind of um, this album's worth of material, and in your head as a songwriter, did did the progression and how it come out on record? Did it did it kind of fit to your vision? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't have um, the first album. We had most of it done. Before we went in the studio, wrote you know, we wrote quite a few of the songs, but we were also writing as we were going along. Genuinely, I just I was happy with what I heard. I didn't have any I didn't have any idea of production of any level. Um, I was too young uh, to have any acknowledgement, and also I was just coming out of three years of, of going out raving at jungle music and listening to MCs and all that. It was. You know, it was yeah. uh, it was quite. So <laughs> my head, my head was into like other forms of, of music, and I wasn't into production. I was. What happened is that every Sunday afternoon we'd get together in my mum's front room, and we rehearsed for four or five years. 
that's all that it was. So I just projected my energy uh, into them songs. Uh, then obviously, you know, we were lucky we got a record deal. And then we it was done in a professional way. But me, I was I left it to the band. They, they knew what the what production was about more than me. I was just throwing my energy out into them songs and 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 you know and and then when I realised that it was getting it was it was working. My idea was just right. Well, let you know I can do this. Let's get it down. Let's get it down. And you know I was writing down. I wrote a lot of songs, especially when it, we got into the second album. I brought in someone else. I was writing songs with, and you know that. That ex that that just accelerated, like you know, yeah. uh, and then back in the studio and all that. But like I say, what I missed, you know, what I did miss was was that we were we were fucking fantastic live. Do you know something? I just wished, I, I, you know, I, I I mean, I'm getting, I'm asking people of any edit live recordings to send them me because I just get so much out of it, um, and I just wish that 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 you know that's how we were we were seen as and we were heard as I just I just wish that could have been more persuaded towards the record company did you find yourself under any pressure to to write new material and to always keep coming up with new ideas yeah because we had to do the second album see yeah uh, and what had happened we we had a I showed some demos that we basically our first album but we done and dusted it was out we were already touring it and the record label, right? Well, the next record, you know, uh, and we did some, we did some uh, demos, and one or two of the songs were, were good, and the others were weren't good, and we, and I knew they weren't good. We were just struggling, and then what happened was at the time my friend called Nigel Banks, who was the guitar oldie for us, he started showing me some material that he'd wrote, and I just thought that sounds great, so I ended up co-writing with with with, with Nigel. And then that's how I got all the second album then. Mm. Uh, well, well, I'd say 80, 80% of it, 90% of it. I wrote a few songs myself. But, um, yeah, and then, and then and also, I mean, he brought a different, he's, he's, he's a, a completely different talent in himself. And then by that time, I was, I was into doing, you know, uh, big harmony, you know, layered, layered harmonies on the vocals. You know, we brought in a bit of brass, we brought orchestra. Uh, yeah, there was, there was pressure, but, when they heard them new songs, the record label, they were absolutely buzzing. And they were doing, it was like, you know, it's like, a, God, I, I pulled this one out. You know, I pulled us out the shit here, you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, and and, 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 and and I pulled it out the bag. And, you know, when we did Any Way You Look, they were, you know, well, it speaks for itself. It was on Radio 1. It was it was A-list on Radio 1. And, you know, it was, it was uh, they did all the TV that they did with it. And uh, they did TFI Friday. And it was going to be, you know, it was going to be a top three, and then unfortunately, it didn't. And yeah. that would that then was a demise of, of our record uh, record um, record contract. Then it that it, yeah, you know, after four months after that, we we were on the we were on the dole. How does that transition then for you? Did you did you actually actively as a band go and seek a new label, or, or what was the sort of headspace you were in at the time? Well, it was a nightmare because uh, no, it was it was, a, it was just a massive disaster because. You had four lads. The the you know there was no money coming in. No, it was it was a really hard two years. I'd say after eighteen months because we had a studio to run and it all it all just went and uh, there was no interest. And then we we lost the uh, the publishing deal as well, which was which was quite strange. And you know it's, it was a really sad 
sad time for me because the the amount of effort that I'd done for about eighteen months prior to the record like, was 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 some of my best work and you know it's it, it's, it's yeah it, it really it, it hammered me because. I didn't know, uh, you know, I'd, I'd got myself into such a way of writing songs and, and understanding and, mm. on the, you know, get, I was getting better at everything that I was doing and then it got pulled away and, you know, it, the rest is history, you know mm. what I mean? And it took me a good couple of years to find my feet in another way and I did. But if I, if, if I could go back there again now and... Uh, and have be on good stages and then you know just for just just for one year or what I don't know one month you know that 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 I'd love to experience it again uh, with what I know now because I just I just would enjoy it more uh, and I've got so much understanding about it you know what I mean yeah yeah you know it, 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 I just I feel that we, we, we it's, it's just a shame that we didn't get the chance to go you know like shed seven or cast or you know that continued and Mm. Uh, you know, and and oh, and that got continued to get asked to do all the gigs, you know, and you know, but they did sell a lot more records than us. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, blag that one. But it's that thing. If 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 you know, if if you don't keep in the chain, you know, you, you you're very easily gone. And uh, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of bands out there. So yeah, you know what I mean. We, and we, you did come back though, Leon, didn't you? In terms of like getting the band back together in some shape and then uh, releasing more material a bit later on with the, the crowdfunding and things like that. That must have been quite a, yep. a very positive experience to know that there were people out there really dying to hear new stuff from you. Yeah, well, I'm still doing it now. I mean, we've yeah. got three festival reports this year that we're doing, you know, all, all being well. But, yeah, we, we got back, you know, I've had, I've had to get different members in, but we've done three albums, you know, two through the crowdfunding and and one which was uh, just funded by ourselves at the time. You know, each album pretty different to each other. But, and we did some we did some really great gigs. But we did to me, it's not the music, it's the gigs that, that that's more important. It's playing and not just playing gigs, but playing the right gigs. You know, and there's a lot of bands out there as well. So it's a bit doggy dog. You know what I mean? There's a lot of there's a lot of bands, man. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. So bands are like taxi drivers. Every fucker wants to be one. <laughs> Well, it's been fantastic to speak to you, Leon, about Northern Uproar and everything else. And all the best in terms of the gigs coming up as well. And if we get out of this awful lockdown situation and actually get things back to normal, you might actually start to do some proper gigs and things. It'd be amazing to see you. Where, where, where are you based at? I'm in Southampton. To the south. Oh, you're Southampton, the joiners, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I saw you in, uh, at the unit, Southampton University. Well, you had a power cut during the first song. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was I re- amazing. I, re- I, remember, I remember being in Southampton, yeah, years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I say, Leon, thanks ever again for coming on. I'm really, really fantastic to speak yeah, to you. Yeah, at any time, mate, any time. Yeah, really appreciate it, Leon. Take care and all that, and good luck with everything. Look after yourself. Bye-bye, mate, bye-bye. Thanks again to Leon for joining me on the podcast. It was fantastic to talk to me about Northern Uproar and I really appreciate him being so open and honest about his experiences with the music industry. Thanks again for all your support. It's really appreciated. So just a reminder that if you haven't already, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating. And if you've got time, leave a review. That really helps. I'm on social media. So just search for Back to Prit Pop on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And there's a Ko-Fi page in the show notes. So if you want to say thanks, you can buy me a virtual coffee. 
all being well, I'll have another episode for your ears next week. So see you soon.